What is going on, everybody? It's Hector Rivera here. Welcome back to Heck versus Hell, where the truth we tell, baby. So, wherever you're listening to this on, it's gonna be the same syndicates in which you can hear the RDDC, the real double dose channel on. So, if you haven't seen that already, go check it out. Same place you're listening to this on, look it up. The Real Double Dose Channel, to emphasize it, right? And if you're watching this on YouTube or any other video streaming platform, then hi. <laughs> and check it, check out RDDC as well. Oh, I forgot. That's how I say RDDC. <laughs> but regardless of fact, this episode is going to be a deep one. You know, we're going to talk about the power of love. Right, so a lot of people don't even understand truly what love is, but it's very deep. It's a lot deeper than people seem to paint it out to be, you know, going straight into this episode. But it's very, very powerful. When you look at the heart, when you look at the soul, which is going to be part of the whole soul ties teaching, and you'll hear snippets going out there, right, from RDDC or from here or shorts, clips, whatever you see it on, we're going to have snippets talking about that as well. So the heart is where the soul lies physically, right? You are an embodiment of your soul. And love is one of the most impactful moving forces on a human being, right? Right there with identity. And we'll get more into that later some other time. But those are two of the major moving forces in a human being. So you could be the biggest, baddest person, the most independent woman, but whenever you find love for somebody, it changes you, whether it be good or bad. You know, if you have a friend, you've always grew up with some type of standard on how you carry yourself, on the things you do. If you have a friend that you truly love, you'll ultimately start talking like them a little more, acting like them a little more out of that love. You know, you may not feel it, but a strong connection is still a type of love, you know? And it's not just, oh, well, I'm attracted to this person in this manner, this manner. No, no, no. Love has nothing to do with the type of attraction. Love is very strong emotion, but it has nothing to do with attraction. See, love is for the soul. Love is for the heart. Love is what we don't see. Love is in, hidden in the actions of what we do. So love is one of the biggest forces because, like I said, you could be the biggest, baddest person on this world. But when you start to love somebody, it'll change you. And if it's good or bad, that's up to you. Because we've all had our past relationships where we felt like we loved a certain person. And we may have had love for them. It may not have been completely 100% love. But it changed you in a certain way. Right? And there's so many things we could talk about on this topic. But this is a part where I want to insert a testimony into. So growing up. I had a very misconstrued image on my dad. You know, my dad, great man. He's someone that I never really looked up to, and I never understood why. You know, I was always trying to look up to somebody. That's just how I was. It was in my nature to be a follower because a great leader is a great follower. 
and I never understood it. So I wouldn't really look up to him. And it kind of hurts me to say that looking back at it because I didn't understand it. But looking back at it, it was the image that was planted in me through my mother's eyes. So my mother painted a horrible image of him. And from what I've seen in the little things that I did understand, well, it kind of made sense of things that she said, you know, and I don't want to bash my mother. I don't want to bash my father, but this is just truth we're telling, right? So when I was younger, my parents split at a very young age. I think around the time I was five or six is whenever they started separating. I was old enough to be consciously aware of what was going on, but young enough not to fully comprehend it. And it was around that time that I fell into a deep depression, too. I remember it was barely like a year prior when I found out about death, that everybody's going to die, that even my parents are going to die, even my siblings are going to die. And I remember crying like a little baby. You know, I was four years old, but I remember hiding myself and crying in the back of a suburban, a white suburban that we had, my parents in the front seat, uh, my baby sisters sitting in the middle row, and my brother and I in the back seat. And we were just right there, and I hid. I hid behind the, the, the sofa of the middle seat, just crying, crying my eyes out, because I knew that one day my parents were going to die. And it was that love for them. You know, as a child, you're, you love your parents, regardless the fact of how they may have treated you. Even if you were the most mistreated child, you love them, and you crave that love from them, Right. So even from the beginning, I knew there was things going on that I had no idea how to understand. There was some times where my parents would just fight, would just go at it, be at each other's throat. You know, thankfully, my dad wasn't physical towards my mother, but it was pretty bad. You know, I remember at a time he was just very drunk one time and he was making us rebel against her. You know, like I said, this isn't to bash them or anything, but where it came from, I cannot tell you. You know, I couldn't tell you at that time either. I was just a kid. I was over here. They were arguing. He was a little drunk and I was over here like messing with the TV or something, you know, being a little bad kid. And he was a she she had said something trying to tell me like to stop. And, you know, whenever people are arguing, they kind of want to go against that other person. And he was like, nah, do it harder. And he even, I think he ended up kicking it in or encouraged me to kick in the TV, whatever it was. But at that moment, I was like, oh, well, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> and then I was playing with a lighter. Again, she told me, stop, don't, don't do that. And he ended up going and encouraging me to do it. And next thing you know, I remember us being outside. It was a little trailer house outside the trailer. And them two still inside and just smoke coming out from the inside. And I was kind of scared. I didn't know what was going on. We were just outside, four of us at the time. We were just outside, like not knowing exactly what was going on. And it was just very crazy growing up, you know, growing up around that time, trying to understand what is going on as a kid, you know, not having a grasp of an adult at that time. I remember one time too, um, we had, I had my little brother, I think he was a fifth child. 
And at that time, we were with my mom. She moved away. And he went and took him, my little brother, from his baby father. Now, the father of my little brother wasn't the same as our father, right? But he had my dad's last name. So my dad went, and they were really close. They were living really close at the time. So my dad went and took him. (laughs) You know, he took him from his dad. And at that time, my mom was so mad. I remember getting in the car with her and just going in, and she just gripped the steering wheel like this, and you could just hear her fingers crack. Like, she didn't even crack them. She just was so furious. They cracked at the grip of of the steering wheel. And I was like, whoa, this is, you know, this is kind of serious. And I had to grow up really young. At a very young age, I had to grow up fast. And I remember I stepped up, you know, because he was saying, well, give me my kids and I'll give you your kid. So at that time, I was like, well, I don't want my brother to get hurt. You know, that's not his kid. He could do something to him. I'll go. And you go get my brother, you know, and I hated to do that because I don't know why I had the craving for my mom's love more. I loved her more. And I don't know where that came from. I guess spending more time with her. And I made that self-sacrifice, I guess you would say, at a very young age. And I can still remember that very vividly. And my other siblings, they stayed at the apartment that she was staying at. And I went over and traded myself for he was the infant child at the time. And I think I was around five or six at that time. So I had to grow up very early and still didn't understand it. But later on, my dad had ended up winning custody. I don't know how all that played out exactly how, but I ended up living with him up until the age of 14 and from six to 14. So the weekends, those were for my mother. You know, those were the times that we could go see her. My dad, he was a very hardworking man. He missed almost not at all. I don't remember a single day he missed, but he somehow still managed to show up to things like our assembly, you know, us getting awards. Not all the time because he still had to work, but he would go and get up at 5 a.m., leave the house, come back at 9 or 10 just in time for him to eat, right? And I never understood that. I always had some type of resentment for him. Even that comment that I made, thinking I had grown so wise at such a young age a couple years ago when I was looking back at it. I'm like, oh, I was so wise even at a young age. I was so self-sacrificial. And, and you know, it's not completely wrong, but it was an image in which was planted of my father that I had even made that comment You know, I was like on my mom's side. And that's what a lot of parents like to do is they like to pit their children against the other parent. That's horrible. That's horrible. But that's not the point of the story here. (laughs) The point of the story is that I already had this image of my father, you know, that I never got to see, that I never got to fully say it was his image to claim. Because that could have been like the 10% of them that I heard from my mom that may or may not have been true. But the other 90%, I couldn't know. I didn't know my father. Like I said, he came back at nine. He was gone before we woke up to go to school. We were just right there with my aunt because she had moved over at the time. And we were living with my aunt. She was taking care of us throughout the days. 
and the weekends for my mom. So I barely got to know my dad at all growing up. And he was very strict. You know, what I did know about him is he was very strict. And uh, now that I'm looking back at it, I understand that that strictness was his form of love. That was the only way he knew how to show love was he wanted to keep us safe. See, he kind of understood my mother more than we did, but he's that type to endure whatever. He never complained about that day, the days he worked, you know, our decision to go move with her where we kind of spit in his face and just said, well, screw you. I'm going with my mom. You know, he never complained about any of that. I've never heard that man complain. He's always been one to take it on the chin. And I respect that so much about him. Coming to understand her person, her character, helps me more so understand his. You see, because now I'm detached from that image. I'm detached from that mommy-daddy type situation, right? So I could see them for what they are. And I see that my father held such a great love for us. He wanted nothing but the best for us. He worked day and night for us. No matter what he had to do, he was tearing away his body. He's barely about to turn 40 or 45, I'm sorry. And his body is just so deteriorated. Like he doesn't have a great body. He's over here very broken down and he feels like he's barely getting his wings. You know, he's barely getting on his legs, having his own business. So I never understood that. That all that was out of love, out of wanting to do what he could for us, regardless of how we saw it. See, because whenever I was on the weekends with my mom, whenever we all went to, to my mom's on the weekend, she would go and she would buy us little things, right? She would buy us like a, a laptop to where we could play games on, a little Wii so we could play the Wii on, whatever it may be, you know, gaming systems like that. But Whenever we'd go back, they'd occasionally be missing, you know, like almost like a here. You could play with it for a little bit. OK, I'm taking it back. We never understood it. My dad told us, I think maybe twice. He's like, well, she's just trying to buy you buy your love in a way. And I never understood that. I kind of flew over my head and seeing it now, I understand it a lot more. See, my dad was very strict and my mom was very do whatever you want, you know, live how you want to live. You know, she had her own level of strictness whenever she had her frustration, but it was uh, crazy. It was, it was really crazy. You know, even whenever I was a child, at one point, I remember crying outside her door whenever she had us for a weekend and she just locked herself in the room and I was just crying, crying, crying until I was just like, okay, stop. Why are you crying? You know, and I just went I think I was still in my diaper at the time. I can't remember, but I just went and go distract myself, make myself busy. And I'm pretty sure that's where a lot of my ADHD cam comes from, is that built to stop and distract myself. That, hey, look at that, almost like a shiny syndrome. Uh, what is it called? The shiny thing syndrome? Shiny something, shiny object syndrome, right? So I kind of formed that into myself from the trauma that I experienced. I never realized it. But looking back at my dad, we didn't give him enough credit for what he did. You know, he did what he could with the resources that he had. He didn't like asking for help, but it was from the way he was brought up. You know, his understanding of showing love. 
his trying to keep us safe. And he did it in that manner. Say, for example, he would tell us too, if you make a mess, you're going to clean up your own mess. And I mean that in a legal sense, because he was a very righteous man. You know, he was like, okay, well, stay on this path that I'm trying to teach you. So you won't have to deal with that. And if you do it, if you do whatever you want to do, you're on your own. And that made me kind of resent him more a little bit because it made me want to be more rebellious because I already had that picture painted in my head. You know, I wanted that freedom that my mom gave. And it was that forgiveness. It was that change of perspective that I shifted my perspective on my dad, on the way I viewed my dad. I had to forgive him because I saw the amount of love that he held for his children, whether he said it or not. I felt it. I saw it through his actions. You know, I didn't have to look at it and say, oh, well, he never told us that he loved us because neither did my mom. You know, my parents were very prideful people and they didn't tell us they loved us. But I could feel it through their actions. You know, they, they loved us how they knew how. They didn't understand that we need certain words to comfort us and to encourage us and to make us feel that love from them. But they did what they could. So that change of perspective and then him trying to offer, which was completely impossible, him trying to offer, uh, taking a charge for me, which uh, I'm innocent of, it, it, it really made me realize, you know, the type of love my dad holds for me. And I look back at it and getting into a little bit more of a wider and higher altitude understanding is what our parents do for us, what they try, the rules that they try to implement on us, whether they're following them or not, is for our own good. Because our parents were nothing for the best for us. And whenever I came to that understanding through my own parents, I saw that with my father, my father, God, not my, my dad, but my father. I saw that the same way how he was trying to take a charge is the same way that he took a charge for us 2000 plus years ago. That already happened. You know, I'm grateful that I have my dad and that he showed me and, and portrayed the type of love that I can now see. But I thank my father for giving me my dad so I can closer and emotionally attach to my God so that I can love him stronger, so I can understand what all this means what love really does for you. And it's that same love of how I strive to do better, to, to try to get some type of love from my dad, to try to get some type of love from my mom, you know, not be a nuisance in her hair, to try to be the perfect student for my dad, to try to be a, a really good athlete for my dad, whatever it may have been, the strive for wanting their love is a strange strive now I have for God. And I thank him, I thank him for it because it's all for his glory. You know, it's, it all happened that I can get that closer connection because I was rebellious. You know, I didn't get the love that I wanted, you know, and I'm not saying I deserved it, but everybody deserves love. You deserve love. No matter how heinous of an act you may think you should not be forgiven for, whatever guilt you hold 
It's been paid for out of love. See, love is so powerful. And that same love that was given to us is the same love that we end up giving to him. So it changes us. That's one of the biggest moving forces in the human nature. We love him because he first loved us. I never understood that verse. I always took the Bible so literal. But whenever I started going through these events and understanding what everything meant, the the perspective of my life, changing it from a higher altitude, from a higher way of viewing it, than from the childish way I was looking at it, I'm able to understand what it's all for. And I'm able to have that stronghold of love for my Father in heaven. And I hope each and every one of you can give that power to forgive whatever has come against you so that you can let it go. So you can see it for the purpose that it was meant to be in your life. And that's the main story, the main theme of the beauty of the rain. Through forgiveness, we can let it go and see its purpose. See, just like a plant coming out of the ground forgives the rain for pattering on it, it can understand that that water was essential for its growth. Just like everything that you went through was essential for your growth. See, you overcame that. You overcame that situation that you went through. You're here now listening to this. So you are blessed. You made it this far. You made it through that situation. See, nothing you have gone up against has overcome you. Nothing that has happened to you has happened to you. Everything has always been for you. Everything has always been for your growth. And through seeing that and understanding it and fully embracing it, you're able to grow and heal from those things that you've come across, from those things that may have wounded you, that left you scarred, that gave you trauma, that gave you PTSD, whatever it may be. You're able to grow whenever you start to forgive. I forgave my father. I forgave him. I forgave my mother for putting that image of my father. I forgave both of them and I'm able to grow now on such a crazy trajectory that I can only thank God for. And once you start to forgive, you will start seeing that we forgive like he forgave. That's the power of love. That's what a lot of people don't understand. And I hope this message pierces your heart, pierces your soul so that you may understand the true power of love. It's forgiveness that causes growth. And that's horribly hard to hear. That's extremely difficult to hear. But it's what you need to hear. It's what you need to heal from. So please take this message and embrace it. Let it pierce your heart. Listen to it again. Whatever you have to do so you get the message of what was put here to impact your life and change its trajectory. So just like every episode and every talk Lex and I have, 
We hope this message blesses you. And we'll catch you on the flip side.